He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. If you think about it, most vacation rental managers have a very specific budget they invest into getting uh, booking direct and getting guests to, to book their properties. Very, very few companies, I mean, I'm talking like, like 1%, actually have a marketing budget to get new homeowners. And it is the greatest lever that you can pull that has the greatest impact to your top line revenues, bottom line profits, and building your net worth. It is literally like 3.6 times more impactful than any other lever to grow your, your business. What's up, Slick Talkers? This episode is brought to you by my friends and first-time-ever podcast sponsors and partners at Hostfully. Now, I'm trying to make things as simple as possible because I know the simpler it is for you, the simpler it is for me, and the simpler it is for your business. So with Hostfully, you can know that when you sign up with them, that you'll have the best channel integrations like Airbnb, Verbo, and Booking.com, the best integration marketplace, aka the marketplace where you find all your other tech vendors and partners like Minute and Safely, other sponsors of the show, where you can seamlessly integrate them into your Hostfully platform. And of course, other amazing best-in-class features like Hostfully's mobile app, where you can take literally every action and every piece of Hostfully on the go with you, whether you have your computer or not. You can just have it on your mobile device, and as long as you have Wi-Fi or service, you're able to operate your business with ease. So grab my link in the show notes, and you'll save money on their property management platform and, of course, their amazing digital guidebooks. All right, everybody, welcome back, and I. Think I need to start creating like a club for the most returned guests on the pod due to the amount of times I've had the opportunity and honor to, to, to talk with you, Brooke. So, Brooke Fouts, welcome back, CEO, founder of Vintory. If you haven't heard this guy's name on the podcast before, I'm plugging the last two episodes, I think, in the show notes. But, Brooke, my man, so good to see you again. How you doing? Awesome to be here. I, I don't know. I guess that's a good thing. If you're, you're inviting me back so many times, I guess that's a good good sign so thank you it's a great sign obviously the downloads don't lie when you're on the podcast the listeners love it there's a lot of value and i love talking to you in general so whenever i have an opportunity to be on the phone or do a podcast whatever works i'll do it you know well hey but, i do have to thank you by the way some people may or may not this, but you introed me at the str wealth uh, conference and that was a it was a great intro the problem is you set the bar way way too high so the next time remember set the bar low Okay, I'll do that again. I may be on stage this year doing it again. So hopefully we'll see you and I'll get to reintroduce you. But if I set the bar so high there the second time, I think I might have to raise it. So <laughs> this book is a perfect example. And this is what we're here to chat about. For all of our live viewers and listeners, I'll talk to Brooke. I think we can put a link in the show notes for people to order the book. But you recently got to do a top 10, you know, mistakes of vacation rental operators and not only was the top 10 mistakes but you interviewed and got the top 10 mistakes from over what 50 it was 52 yeah, 52 leaders of some of the top vacation rental companies in the country that's insane i don't i interview for a living and that still sounds like a lot <laughs> and so i'm curious kind of walk us through the idea of this because i know this isn't an easy feat. This isn't an easy project to just whip up and start doing. So what, what inspired this? 
Yeah. So first off, there was no master plan to do this. This literally involved, it was literally Easter Sunday after, you know, all of our family left. My wife and I finally just sat down on the couch. We were exhausted. I poured another glass of wine and I just started flipping through LinkedIn. And I actually saw a post from a guy named Jason Lemkin, who I follow. He does uh, SaaS posts. He runs a company called Saster. And it was talked about the top mistakes that some leaders within you know the SaaS industry had made. And I was like, that is a fantastic idea. So I literally fired off like, like four quick emails to a couple of friends in the industry. And I just asked them, hey, what were your... It was as simple as that and innocent as that. I said, hey, just curious, what were some of your top 10 mistakes you made in building and growing your vacation rental company? And almost immediately, Ryan Dame with Casago replied back. And I, I saw it. I was like, man, these are fantastic. So I, I, the next morning, I posted it on LinkedIn and it went viral. I mean, so many people made comments of it. I mean, and I was like, man, this is gold. And then the other three people that I asked, they replied and I got those. And I, I posted each one, you know, the next four days in a row. And again, it just caught like wildfire. It was unbelievable how fast it went. And I was like, and then people were actually reaching out to me saying, hey, Brooke, here are my mistakes. And I was like, well, I guess I'm running with this. So literally for the next 52 days straight, without missing one day, I posted these 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 mistakes. And it just, it, the feedback I was getting from people was so great. And what I think finally ended up turning this into a book, and I had no desire to turn it into a book, but I met a guy at, it was the Northwest VRP conference. And he came up to me and he said, Brooke, you, you don't know who I am, but I just want to thank you for these posts. He goes, I literally print everyone off and I put them into a binder. And I was like, so you're making a book? He goes, yes. And I was, I was like, look, if it's going that you know viral and it's getting that much steam and people are getting that much value out of it, the content was just too good not to turn into a book. And that's why I made a decision to, to turn it into a book. I love it. And you and I are, are content fans. So we obviously know the power of content. And so I, I love this. I think this is the most organic and natural form of community. I think oh, yeah. the engagement that you saw on your posts and for any of the listeners and live viewers, if you are not on LinkedIn, you need to get on LinkedIn. It's the most underestimated short or uh, not short term rental <laughs> social media network that I think anyone in the professional world could ever not get on. You know, if, if that makes sense, it's a, it's where I've built basically this whole business as well. So I, I love LinkedIn. So to see that there's more than just a resume platform, right? Oh, and yeah. So you, you created the vacation rental secrets. And now these secrets are getting a light shined on them. I'm curious before we dive into some of the common threads that you saw within all of the 52 questions and interviews that you got, what were some of your mistakes? that you kind of had the opportunity to reflect on. Yeah, yeah. Well, first off, I had a very hard time narrowing it down to, uh, to just 10, you know, because I've made, yeah. made just about every mistake out there. And it, it was amazing though, just to see how many common mistakes were across the board. But yeah, so I mean, there's a couple of things, I mean, that, that jump out right out of me. I mean, the first is real. I talk about Keystrong metrics all the time, but there's something called lifetime LTV to CAC. So L LTV to CAC means your lifetime value to your customer acquisition cost, not even understanding what that even meant. Now I'm a student, obviously, of this, and I, and I, I, I live it, I breathe it, and we coach it for all of our customers. And really what you're saying is, is like, how much does it cost you to acquire a new customer? 
And then every one of those new customers, what are they going to make you over the lifetime? And then really just understanding how profitable these businesses are. You know, if it costs you, call it $3,000 to acquire a new customer, but you're going to make, you know, $400,000, $500,000 potentially over the life, like that's a pretty good investment, you know, and just not understanding what the, those numbers look like. So that was the big, the first one. And this one came up all the time was taking on the wrong properties. You know, in the early days, look, it's tough. You, it's a grind and you will take anything. It's like anybody walks into your office, like you'll jump across the conference room and throw a contract at them. And, mm -hmm. but the more and more you do this, you realize that some of those properties are actually costing you money. So taking on those wrong properties. And what we eventually learned from that was just focus on five or six, you know, key buildings. The other part of it, another mistake I made was, and I don't know how much you wanted me to go into all these, but just really the team, how important the team is to it really, mm -hmm. like, that's what it's all about. Like hiring good or bad talent determines how, how much you'll life, like your life uh, in this industry, you know, and, and you can tell like when you get a 10 Xer, just how much more important they are to, to your organization and how much easier they make your life. But then furthermore, even really just getting a really good, how important, like getting a GM or a COO that had complementary skill sets, which kind of bodes to the next one, which was leveraging psychometric personality assessments. In the early days, I didn't use that. So I'm a big fan of, you know, predictive index and culture index and these kind of things. Yeah. So you know, not leveraging those. And now that I do just, you know, use those tools, just how important they were. But yeah, I could, I could go on and on. You want me to throw all 10? No, no. I just, I'm always curious because, you know, the one that you just mentioned, not the, the, the recent one, but you mentioned, you know, taking on the wrong properties or the wrong owners, right? And that's one thing with us. We have, we have a small property management company. I think we're at 14 properties now, but we've gone from 14 to 10 to 14 to 10. And we've constantly gone through a cycle of trimming the fat and deciding, you know, how to, what owners do we want to work with? What destination markets do we want to be in? And you know, being more strategic with it. But the biggest thing with that, when you cut the properties or trim the fat, we just decided every property, like the company, yes, will have a PL, but every property should actually have its own PL to yeah. see, okay, is this actually running in the sense of making us money, or is this costing us time and effort and things that just don't draw to the bottom line? And I think that yeah. was a big lesson. You know, especially getting to work with you guys of inventory, it's not like it's great to get properties. It's great to grow inventory, but man, if it's not the right fit for you, it really does become a time suck. That was that was one of the the top ten mistakes for sure is taking on the right, wrong inventory. And I think Justin Justin Ford with On the Water, formerly with On the Water in Maine, talked about it. He says once they set the threshold of five, we we will not take on a property unless it's bringing in at least five thousand dollars. Like once they made that, like. It took them many, many years to finally realize that it was such a, a relief because they weren't like, you know, they didn't have all these properties that they were busting their tails for, but mm -hmm. they were losing money on when it was all said and done. And it would take just as much work on those properties, if not more, and you're losing money. So they, they made that uh, threshold of $5,000 and never looked back. So smart. So smart. Well, I'm, I'm a big fan of learning through failure or failing or falling uh, was it failing forward? Yes, that's what it's failing forward, right? Like learning the mistakes and just moving on and continuing to grow. I don't think we have enough time to cover all 10 mistakes from the book. So we'll definitely leave a little room for a teaser for any of the listeners. Again, show notes will have all the links to get the book and you can learn more beyond what we discussed on the episode. But there's a couple really key ones. And I'm just curious before we jump into any of these, 
is there a strategic reason or rhyme to how you ordered them by chapter from you know mistake one all the way through 10 or is there just these are the top you know what? That's a great question. I, I, have, I think I put some thought into it, but I, I'm trying to think of what it was. I mean, obviously strategy. I feel like, you know, when you're laying out your business plan and overall, you got to start at 30,000 feet, you know, first. So it really kind of started with strategy. And then I think we went to team just because the, the power of the team is probably one of the most important things you do. Like who you hire and who you develop really determines whether or not you're going to be successful or not. And then I think we went more into like processes and finance and accounting, cleaning. And then we kind of ended more on well, in the, to like the latter part, we went to inventory, taking on the wrong inventory. Then we kind of closed it out with networking. And I wanted the last one, which was we had a bonus section, which was, which this one really surprised me. It was taking care of yourself. You know, don't take it personally and don't forget to celebrate the wins. I thought that was just kind of a good way to, to end the book. All right, Nathan, welcome back. Round two, Minute with Minute. And I have some questions on the update features with the devices from Gen 2 to now Gen 3? Yeah, good question, Will. So first and foremost, the device is now weatherproof, so you can place it indoors or outdoors, which is great. It's the same device either way, so you can order as many devices as you need and decide where to place them later. When you're installing it in the mobile app, it's going to ask you if you're putting it indoors or outdoors, and then you just pick which one makes the most sense for your situation. Also, we've been able to build in a couple of things in this new unit that allow us to expand on the capabilities. So the big one being cigarette detection at the moment. I love it. All right, you heard it here first. Another minute with minute and now back to the episode. I love it. Yeah. And there's, again, so many good lessons. I'm, I'm curious in the sense of, you know, there's going to be a lot that we can cover in these couple, but do you have a specific favorite top three out of the 10? That you're just like, these are the lessons that have reigned true and like tried through everything. Yeah. I mean, I think I love team because obviously it's so important. Obviously, number seven, inventory acquisition is because that's really what Ventory does. That we're, we're laser focused on solving the problem of helping professional short-term big e-scroll managers grow their inventory. And then I'll say number 10, networking, conferences, community, and local competition were probably like my three favorite if you will. I mean, there's so it's, it's kind of like, I think which one of your kids is your favorite, but uh, yeah, those are probably my top three. Do we want to dig into each one of those? Yeah, no, I was going to say, let's, let's go into team. I I'm very curious to know because like a lot of vacation rental managers are heavy in either one specific destination or a handful of destinations, right? They have a uh, volume in a, in a certain area, you know, we're a little different. We're, we're kind of spread and I'm curious how many of the 52 we're all focused into specific markets or we're kind of spread out throughout the country. If you have a rough guesstimate. Yeah. The majority of them were in one or two markets, but ironically enough, that was a huge mistake that most of them said they made was chasing wow. into new markets too fast, including myself. It was one of, one of mine. I mean, when I, when I first launched Vantage, you know, I had these grandiose visions and, and goals of like dominating the world. And we hadn't even dominated like, you know, one block in Ocean City, you know, and I'm talking yeah. about doing this. So when I was building my website, I, I just think about how idiotic it was. Like I'm building my website for all these different markets all throughout the country. And again, I don't even have one property in, in, in Ocean City yet. So what I should have done is I should have focused more on just the Ocean City mark, been, you know, dominated that mark then and only then thought about expanding. Steve Trover said the same thing. Steve Schwab said the same thing. Like, you know, it's like you can't, you can't really expand until you kind of become that pro. That's, 
this was many of the mistakes that people made. So the majority of these people, you know, are in one or two markets. But what they've learned is that some of them, even if they have expanded to those multiple markets, they did it after they ended up uh, failing and uh, dominating, waited until they dominated their first market first. I love it. Okay, that's good to know. So let's talk about team. Let's yeah. let's open it up. The 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 team part, right? If you're in one destination, you have volume, you're dense in a market or two. How does the team become a big lesson or mistake for for entrepreneurs in our space? Well, really, I think what I what I saw across the board um, with the mistakes, it really came down to three things. You know, actually four things. So first was hiring. Then we a lot of people, and then firing. There's a lot of talk about you know personality assessments through those psychometric psychometric personality assessments and then nurturing. And actually there was one more delegating as well. So it kind of all fell kind of into those. But I think one of my favorite quotes was Clark Twitty and I'm a huge Clark Twitty fan. He's probably got one of the most well-respected, most successful vacational management companies out there in the Outer Banks. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, this business as with so many others remains very simply all about people. It contains a lot of other things, but everything is wrapped up in good people. And I think that kind of sums it up. So that's actually how I started the chapter of, of, of team, but just kind of drilling into each one of those, you know, those four or five bullets that I talked about. The first was hiring. Hiring is so, you know, many, many, many people made the mistake of hiring the wrong people. Sarah Bradford talked about, you know, hiring and one of her mistakes was hiring employees without really vetting them and then not even having an organized training program and regularly uh, checking in with them. Elaine Stitcher, she agreed kind of the same thing. She said, you know, not listening to my gut when hiring and hiring for experience and skill rather than culture. Nine times out of 10, uh, your gut doesn't let you down. So, and there was a Jim Collins in Good to Great talks about, you know, getting the right people on the bus and the right seats. And there was a couple of people, including Audrey Leeds Miller, who kind of said the same thing. It's like, it's all about getting the right people on the bus. And then it's all about getting them in the, the right seats. I love that. And Steve Trover from Better Talent, obviously, I'm sure would agree as they are a big implementation input. Yeah, they input. Yeah, I'm struggling on my word there, but <laughs> they are very great at finding the right people to get in the right bus to get the right seat as well, which is obviously a huge, 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 huge undertaking for any entrepreneur or business owner, right? Like you create a business to employ people like you eventually don't want to just be an employee yourself. So ultimately, yeah. that's what your business is. Your business is people, you know, I mean, we're not selling widgets here, you know, I mean, well, we are in the fact that the, the product is, is the tomes and we'll talk about that a little bit, but really, like really what determines your success or not is the team you assemble. And like you said, Steve, a better talent does a great job of doing that, but that's a great segue into kind of that second bullet was personality assessment. So Steve is an authorized uh, reseller of uh, predictive index He's a consultant on that. Uh, it's a great service that helps you really see who's going to show up. You know, anyone can interview really well, but who shows up every single day is really based on more so like who they are. And that's where these uh, uh, psychometric personality assessments like predictive index are. So that came up multiple times. Uh, it's It's been part of my secret sauce. Every single team member uh, on Binfori, all 52 of us or what we are, whatever we are right now, has gone through, has gone through psychometric personality assessment tools to be hired. So it's, it's been part of our secret success. Danya Kittle, she's done Starfish up in Oregon. She mentioned that she's like not utilize one of her top 10 mistakes was not utilizing behavioral assessments and other hiring tools to get the right people in the right seats. There you go. And six other people agreed with her. Uh, Andy Medic, formerly with Sea Change Vacation Rentals, you know, not integrating personality profiling into hiring decisions, resulting in an over-reliance on skills and experience versus personality match 
to job mm. needs to yeah to job needs so it was a very popular one and you know it's it's that's what i love about these people are very vulnerable about it, 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 it but it also it's not only the mistakes but it's also therefore what are those things that you can implement that's why this book is worth its weight in gold 100% i mean there if you're just starting out I cannot recommend this book enough. And by the way, I don't make a dime off this. All proceeds go to VR vacation rental advocacy uh, efforts. We don't make one penny from it. So uh, you're not only learning, but you're also kind of giving back to if you decide to buy this book. No, I love that. And, you know, a fun random fact that has nothing really to do with the conversation, but Starfish Vacation Rentals was probably the first brand I ever got exposed to when I was leaving my hotel career into the vacation rental space. And I was super impressed with their brand. Oh, yeah. So obviously they've done something done something right. Danya um, has built a great business there. She's one of a kind and she now is uh, at Vera Met Advocate doing some consulting. So if you want to learn from the, one of the best out there, I would definitely recommend Vera Met Advocate uh, and hire those guys. Yeah, for sure. So within the team, you know, nurturing is one, firing is one and delegating obvious and well, a big one too, going into the personality assessments, visionary integrator relationships. Is there anything in particular that you have seen outweigh more than the other is firing more important or is hiring is the integration relationship more uh, important is there a, a stack to these well it all starts with hiring right getting the right people i mean they're, they're all so related right it, it, yeah. getting the right people on the bus is uh, is where it all starts if you mess up it then goes to firing but again kind of the the visionary integrator relationship is a critical part of this and and i think we'll probably talk about eos later but you know, yeah. so visionary, that visionary integrator relationship, if you're not familiar, it's, it's based on uh, entrepreneurial operating system, EOS. This was one that came up time and time again, how many people were using EOS. So a guy named Gino Wickman wrote a book called Rocket Fuel, and he, taught, and he built out a system of how, you know, small businesses can operate. And the, the beauty of the system is simple. And you think about it, like, even if you go to business school, like I, I graduated business school, or even if you go out and get an MBA, they don't really tell you how to build a business. And Matt Durrett talked about how impactful EOS was. Matt Durrett has a, a, you know, an MBA from a big you know, MBA school. He said, without a doubt, EOS was more impactful to his business and his career than his MBA was. And think about it. He was paying like 60 grand a year for his MBA or his former company was at you know, Northrop Grumman. But you know, EOS, which is like, you, know, you can get everything and do it self-implement, is free. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it just talks about how, you know, but again, at base of that is that visionary integrator relationship and having a really, you need somebody that's got the vision and the strategy and the dreams big, but you also need the COO or the GM that's executing on that. And then again, that goes back to all the psychometric personality tools, like predictive index, where you can identify who that person is. So with Ventory, we have, you know, me and I'm the visionary and then I've got Randy Bonds, who's our COO and he's the perfect integrator. So I can, I can dream big and have all the great ideas and he's the poor guy that's got to execute it. All right. So you're trying to grow your portfolio and your property management business, but sometimes owners don't have the best peace of mind when it comes to giving up the keys to their home to an unknown brand or company. And of course, let's be honest. Sometimes we hear the horror stories of guests and the bad guests that stay in vacation rentals and throw parties. Well, safely as you covered, because not only do they screen your guests that are staying, but they also ensure that you are covered from all things such as ill intent, stupidity, aka vacation brain, and other things like pet damage and theft. While doing that, you are able to partner with Vintory and grow your portfolio 
with their marketing platform that helps ensure that you are attracting the right owners to your rental program and growing your business in the destination that you are in. Or if you're in multiple destinations, that works too. So get the links in the show notes because both companies have special offers. If you don't use a link, but you end up talking to them, guess what? Just tell them that Will Slicker sent you from Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, and they'll get you covered. And you can also let them know that maybe you've heard of them on our platform, hospitality.fm. So of course, like always, make sure you grab the links in the show notes. And thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now back to the episode. <laughs> I I love Randy. I got to chat with him a little bit at Sierra WealthCon. And man, we had a, a good, good conversation and he's always engaging with the, the podcast on LinkedIn. So shout out to Randy Bonds. You, yep. You're a great, great dude. He's awesome. Um, and you have a great team. I, I think every person on the team that I've met at Ventura has just been stellar to communicate with, to talk. Obviously, like I said, we we use Ventura. So being able to have people that we like working with on that is super clutch. So obviously you guys are doing great stuff there. I, I'm curious because you mentioned one of your top mistakes being inventory a, uh, acquisition. Obviously, that's where you guys live, breathe. You could probably wake up in the middle of the night, tell me a strategy over the phone in the middle of your sleep and go back to bed and not even you know, blink an eye. But I'm curious to know what were some of the biggest mistakes that people talked about with inventory? Obviously, we talked earlier, you know, not every house or owner is the right one, but I'm sure there's got to be more that they... Yeah, I mean, I think, and it comes back to that, what do they call that, the 10,000 hours? I mean, whenever you're obsessed with something, I mean, I've been in, obsessed with inventory acquisition for 16 years now, you know, but <laughs> four, you know, four years, four, almost four and a half years here of inventory, obviously it's taken up every, you know, sleeping hour or minute of my day. Really, the, the inventory acquisition, it came down to a couple different bullets. It was strategy, again, it was being intentional. It was investing properly, choosing a very specific demographic, hiring a team and software. So those were kind of the big, the big bullets, but you know, we can jump into any one of those. You, you, you take the direction here. I was going to say the, the biggest one I would love to know more into kind of, especially from contributing authors on the book is the, the invest properly. I think a lot of us can look at investment and see the numbers and see the data and be able to yes, no. But I've seen a lot of people say yes to a deal or an investment property or a certain specific thing that looked great on paper, but in theory, actually wasn't a legit or good investment. So I'm curious, so was that a, the main theme there? Or was there a lot of people that made bas- bad investments and then you know yeah. realized? No, I think it was more, if you think about it, most vacation rental managers have a very specific budget they invest into getting uh, booking direct and getting guests on their you know, to, to book their properties. Very, very few companies, I mean, I'm talking like like 1%, actually have a marketing budget to get new homeowners. And it is the greatest lever that you can pull that has the greatest impact to your top line revenues, bottom line profits, and building your net worth. It is literally like 3.9 to uh, six times more impactful than any other lever to grow your, your business. And the fact that people don't have budgets set aside for it, like is mind boggling. Like, you know, Ryan Dame talked with Costigo talked about, you know, just, you know, investing a percentage of their income into constant owner acquisition. Eric Thibodeau and, and Christina Thornson said the exact same thing, like having a specific budget or their mistake was actually not having a specific budget to, to go ahead and, and get new homeowners. But again, it is so impactful. It's the, it's the biggest lever. It has the greatest impact. And the fact that people 
their owner acquisition strategy is usually lobbing out one postcard a year. You know, and yeah. but yet you think about how idiotic that is. I mean, think about how how important it is to get guests when they have this full plan. And you should do that. Like, look at their website. Their, their the websites are all geared for getting guests as it should be. But at homeowner acquisition and you know their page, their landing page is an afterthought. It's like the last page they do and it looks awful. But yet again, it's probably it's going to have more impact than anything else you can do. So you know, setting aside, getting back to your point setting aside some capital, setting aside some budget, and having a proactive plan to market to get new homeowners is an absolute must. Well, that goes perfectly into mistake number four, or chapter number four, where finance and accounting. I think a lot of people, again, this is a common theme I've seen on the podcast with any guest that gets into vacation rentals or hospitality, right? We stumble into it accidentally, whether you had a property and then you hear about it or Airbnb came along, whatever the, the story is, right? We stumble into this. And a lot of people come from a W-2 job, or maybe they had another business, but obviously saw the, the grass was greener on the other side type deal or whatever that may be. So financing and accounting is not like the most, I don't know, I never thought about it when I first started. I was like, oh, I'm going to start an LLC and do this, blah, blah, blah. And then boom, I'm going to make money and like life's going to be good. But now as you grow and you get to a certain point, you have to have budget. And so would you say there's a big commonality with that in the oh, sense yeah. of that being a mistake where people just, hey, we're just trying to get money in and not put a lot of money out, right? Yeah. I mean, this was a huge mis mistake that most people made is not having a budget. And the, the beauty of this business, though, is once you get to a certain point, look, it's I, we didn't do it in the early days. The first couple of years, it is so hard because you have no idea how many properties you're going to sign up. Are you going to sign up five properties this year, 10 properties? But once you get to a critical mass, you know, maybe it's 15, 20, 30 properties, and you kind of have a good idea of how many properties you're going to add, you can build out a budget. You can build out a performa that really predicts exactly what you're going to do. I mean, I actually, I, I was a corporate finance major in college. So like they, they forced in business school, like they forced me to build out these performas so I, luckily I had a little bit of experience doing it. So when I built out um, the Performa for Vantage, I knew once we you know, had a handful of properties, I knew exactly where we were going to be almost within a point or two. It was pretty amazing. Wow. And what was also crazy about it was I could actually build out the business in the model. So you could, you could it, it allowed you, Will, to kind of set your goals into the future. And I knew exactly year over year where I wanted to be. And damn it, we, if we didn't hit it almost uh, just about every single year. And then when I like little things came up where I was like, this was, I remember it was so amazing to me. We had a, we self-insured you know, property protection uh, mm -hmm. once we got to like maybe 20 properties or 30 properties. And I remember changing, we were only charging like $39. And I remember at one point changing it from like $39 to $49 to $69 to like $99. And I saw at the end of the year, the impact that that little change made. And it was so significant. Or I made, or I said, you know what? If we could just focus, you know, get our average gross booking revenue from thirty thousand to thirty-five thousand, like you know, you know, Ocean City is just a bunch of condos. It's not big single-family homes or anything like that in Orlando, or some of these other markets. Like it was amazing what it did. So what it allowed you to do by building out that performa and those budgets is it really allowed you to build out the business model and then know exactly where you needed to be. But yeah, once you get to a certain point, you know, everybody should have a budget, but almost nobody did in the early days for sure. That was one of the biggest mistakes. 100%. And not that this is related to vacation rentals, but in business in general, we just saw the same thing with Spotify, right? They increased their subscription by $1. Yep. They have two 
<laughs> point something active million paid subscribers, right? So what did that do to their bottom line? One dollar with all those paid subscribers at that volume increased their revenue significantly to where vacation rentals, if you take it to maybe a smaller scale, whether it's within your homes and the the type of guests and properties and seasonality stuff. But yeah, like one one little price increase can 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 drive a huge amount. I remember reading an article in the Wall Street Journal years ago. I mean, it was probably a decade ago, if not more. And it was when airlines just started charging baggage fees. Mm-hmm. And if you looked at, I think it was one of the big carriers like American or, or, or Delta or something like that. And they did an analysis of their profit at the end of the year. And it exactly equaled their baggage fee. Like what they charge in baggage fees over the year. So think about it. You have this huge business. You have all the moving parts that are involved in all these planes, all these pilots, all these flight attendants, all the booking, all the website, everything, marketing. And all you're doing is you're making enough money to charge for the baggage fees. Like that was literally the difference between making money and losing money. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. So yeah, that's that's crazy. So budgeting, obviously not being the biggest or being one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of people had struggles with in their early days. I, I would love to see there's a bullet point here on our on my on my note cash reserves and ready day fund i think that's one thing a lot of us don't think about until it's almost too late maybe i'm curious to know is that the same mistake a lot of people did or that maybe having no fund at all i i think almost nobody does very very few people have done this but here's the here's the reality if you look back over the last you know 23 years like every six to like eight years or so there's a black swan event but what is the definition of a black swan event? A black swan event is like a once in a lifetime type of event, but it just seems that every six to seven years, there's a black swan event. Look at September 11th and what that did to, you know, fly to markets. Look at the 07, 08, you know, financial crisis, the great recession. Look at COVID. The only thing for certain is every seven to 10 years, we are going to have a black swan event. I mean, look at, I, I feel so badly for the people in uh, Maui. And Lahaina. I mean, I mean, I, one of our early, early partners, partner number four or five, Angie and Mike Leone with Coconut Condos. I mean, they barely survived. Had they not had a cash reserve, they would have not survived COVID. And then just comes out 90% of their inventory literally in, in six hours got completely wiped out. I mean, think about that. Like, so you never know. I mean, I would have never thought in a million years that the entire town of Lahaina would burn down and you would lose 90% of their inventory. I don't think anybody can budget that. So luckily, you know, they were all safe. All their team members were safe, but many of their team members lost their homes. It's just so tragic. The, I said, the, the point here, bringing it back to your point was, you know, you need to, you know, even if you think it's not going to happen to you, you got to set some money aside and have that rainy day fund. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a big one. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because you come you come from this W two mindset most likely, and then you you get into creating your own wealth and your own business and your own financial projections and all the stuff that we can talk about and geek out on. But then you know it, you're still human, right? You're not you're not Superman. You you can get hit by COVID. You can get hit by a recession. You can get hit by a natural disaster. There's so many things. You know you could literally, you know, I don't yeah I don't want to go on yeah. further with it. But you know it's a very it's yeah, there's so many things that can happen that it's one of those things I think maybe isn't talked about enough. So I'm glad it's in the book basically is kind of the point I'm trying to wrap around with all this stuff, because again, 
any entrepreneur listening, whether you've been in the industry for 20 years or if you've been just getting in for 20 days, I think, you know, this book, I don't want to, again, I think we can cover a couple more points, but I don't want to give out all of it here on the podcast because I want people to read this. I want people to highlight this. I want people to share this and give it to their brother or sister or friend or aunt, uncle, mom, dad, or like whoever. So I want to get in the last point that you mentioned into networking, conferences, community, and local competition. This is my favorite one, I think, personally, because I'm obviously, as a podcaster, a huge fan of conferences and, and communities and and the conversations, right? So where would you say the biggest lessons are within within this chapter? Yeah, so, well, first of all, I started off with a quote from Alex uh, Houston with Casago. She says, your network is your net worth, and I, I just absolutely love that. But this was, I think, the most popular mistake was really not networking soon enough. And look, I used to be in mortgage banking. My first, you know, eight years out of, or actually first 11 years out of college was in mortgage banking. And I'd go to these conferences and you want to talk about a, a snore fest. I mean, it was just a bunch of guys in snoots, uh, suits walking around and just like, you know, it just wasn't yeah, fun. And I mean, we are very lucky to be and privileged to be in probably one of the greatest industries out there. So, but yeah, I think uh, 22 people said it was one of their biggest mistakes was not networking. Um, so I think it was the most popular one. So uh, Jed Stevens talked about one of his regrets was not investing in his professional network earlier. The doors that have opened because of the relationships that I've made have been transformative and would not have been possible if I had not made this a priority. Justin Ford agreed as well with formerly with On the Water in Maine. He said, you know, one of his top mistakes was not networking sooner. I waited 12 years to join the VRMA. I should have joined on day one. It wasn't until I started learning from others that I started to grow. And for me, it was the same thing. I, I have this thing where I do not leave a conference where I walk away with at least a $2,500 takeaway. And usually it's, it's many, many fold more than that. But I, I, I look back over my career every time I've gone to a conference and networked, I've walked out with, with you know, tens of thousands of dollars in, in ideas and suggestions. So it's, it's just absolutely fantastic. And I think a lot of people appreciate it. I definitely agree. And I was just talking to another guest before you, and that was the biggest thing. It was masterminds and networking and live events and being in the room, right? Like just getting in the room with these people that have, you know, built amazing businesses, advanced beyond yours or are in the same. I've learned so much from people that are in the same level, my peers, the people that we are at the same kind of stage of business, right? Like that is such a valuable lesson itself, but you just got to know where to find them, right? And so like communities and organizations like VRMA and now you got STR Wealth Conference and a bunch of other stuff popping up, you know, shout out to Natalie and Tatiana for Level Up Your Listing. Just all these ones that are popping up now. So being able to know where they're at. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't know if you know Tony Caper. I think he was on your, your show. Yeah. He's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. He owns a company called Blue Maple. He started- Love a, it. Yeah. Really successful you know, company in real estate, SaaS software product, sold it to uh, Compass Real Estate for a ton of money. But you know, here's a guy that's an MIT grad, you know, and here's a guy that's probably the smartest guy in the room, but he even realizes, and I appreciate this about him. He made a quote that said, one of his regrets was investing too little in conferences and networking. But as he later discovered, the relationships I built going to conferences almost always generated so much more value than the cost of the ticket and travel. It's a big investment and time suck, but always worth it. And again, I, it's like, I find this, like you're in this weird point where like people that are really smart appreciate that. People that are kind of smart, but not smart enough don't. And they think they know it all. And they're, they think they know everything that they need to know and they don't go to these things. It's like you, you can kind of usually tell 
where they where they fall. So I just I appreciate what Tony said there. And like I said, here's a really super sharp guy and he appreciates that. And Ginger Harrelson said the same thing in the book. She said really that one of her top regrets was waiting too long to go to summits and conferences. Mm. Yeah. When we had Tony on the show, I remember I think right after we hit stop recording, I think we had another 40 minute conversation. The guy is just packed with knowledge, super smart, love the way he approaches and thinks stuff. So shout out to him. I'll plug his episode in the show notes for everyone listening. Now, Brooke, I don't want to, you know, give out all the gold and the, the value and the worth of the book directly on the podcast. So I'm glad we covered these things and to kind of maybe shift a little bit to my closing question that I've been asking every guest this year is a question from a previous guest. And now I'm going to tell you who this person was and all that stuff. And then ask the question and you'll have the opportunity sure. to do the same thing is this question is from Mike stone based out in Arizona, all-star hospitality. And his question is who are you most proud to show your success to after all the mistakes and all the lessons learned along the way, the 52 interviews of creating this book and doing all this stuff, who are you most proud to show success through failing forward? Wow. That's a, that's a heavy one. You know, I'm just going to go with my gut and first reaction. It, it's gotta be you know, your kids. You know, I've got two wonderful daughters, Mason and Riley, who are both in college right now. And I just literally dropped off one yesterday and I'm dropping off the other one on Thursday up Penn state. So I think just, you know, I would say it's got to be your kids, you know, showing them what you do, showing them that you're learning lessons and hopefully that they can, you know, learn from those mistakes and, and also learn from the things that I've done. I think it's, it's gotta, it's gotta come down to your kids, but what a, what a great question, man. That was, that was a good one. That was deep. Yeah, no, I, I, my favorite thing about this whole segment on the show is that no one knows except for me on who's next and all this stuff. So when I hear questions, like I heard that question, I was like, Oh, Brooke is going to be perfect for this. I already knew like, so it's been really fun for me behind the scenes, but without knowing who's next, Brooke, I would love to know, do you have a question for them? And it could be anything under the sun, personal business, anything. Yeah. I, I love this question. So, and by the way, I didn't have any heads up of what you're going to ask. So winging it here, if you could go back and talk to your 25 year old self and give your 25 year old self some advice, what would it be? I love it. Three years ago for me, but no big deal. Yeah, just <laughs> rewind back to COVID. Just kidding. <laughs> I love it. Well, Brooke, I am going to link everything in the show notes. We're going to give everyone who's listening, who wants the book to have access to, to get it. This episode's coming out in September. I'm pumped, obviously, to see you and get to have maybe hand out a couple copies with you at VRMA and in Orlando and all this other good stuff. But if you had one place to send anybody that wanted to connect with you beyond the podcast, what was that? What would that one link be? I'd say just follow me on LinkedIn. I love sharing content. I love, there's no sales going on or 98% of it is content and no sales. So when I have ideas and suggestions that I learn from our partners, I learn from our team. I love sharing it on LinkedIn. So I would say just see me there. I love it. LinkedIn, the most underrated social media platform for anyone out there. Brooke, I will make sure you are linked in the show notes and the Vacation Rental Secrets book is available for any of our listeners to make sure that you are, again, you're doing what I'm doing on the pod. If you're watching, I'm writing notes. You get to highlight the crap out of this thing, use it and abuse it, apply it to your life and to your business. And Brooke, I just want to say thanks so much for taking the time to share some of this and to create such a crazy big project that isn't, is again, no small lift or defeat. So really appreciate you doing, doing all that you do for the industry. Hey, 
Likewise, Will, appreciate you and appreciate everything you do for, for us as well. Thanks, man. Of course. And also, I don't know if other people know, but you have another book that I have as well, which is completely getting ruined by my light right there. But you're the man of books. And so I, I'm excited for another one to my collection and just, yeah, love working with you. So for, for all the slick talkers out there, grab the book, grab the links in the show notes, like, and subscribe to all things, Vintory, Brooke Fots, you name it. The Vacation Rental Secrets book is coming to you now. And of course, like always, we'll see you guys again next week. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoy the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week.